Hello, welcome to the TGT podcast and a happy Easter, belated happy Easter. We hope you've all had a brilliant Easter and there's a slight Easter theme to this podcast. Um, but today we've got for you um, another Comic-Con feature. Ben has been and um, been interviewing fans about the upcoming series and a whole lot more. And then we will have news for you. And after that, we're going to discuss Stephen Moffat's episode, Blink. Um, and Ben, you might be able to uh, elaborate about why we're going to be doing that. Yeah, well, the episode is... Obviously famous for the Easter eggs with the Doctor um, talking through the DVDs. So we thought it'd be appropriate, um, since it's Easter, to look at the episode full of Easter eggs. Okay, so all that's coming up in a little while. And now we're going to go straight over to Ben at Comic-Con in Birmingham. Okay, so firstly, what do you think of the new logo? It's okay. It's fine. I'm fine with it. (laughs) <laughs> and we're just excited that it's coming back just so much of a gap between 9 and 10 and yeah I'm just glad it's coming back whatever logo the one he uses fine with me just put Doctor Who back on <laughs> I like it I wasn't like when I first heard it um, or saw it I thought it looked like the Doctor Strange logo but I actually do like it it's like fresh it's completely different yeah it's quite, it's quite nice it's something different something new refreshing the logo yeah very good, very colourful as well. I, I love it. It's just brilliant. I think it's all right. I like that they're keeping, they're sort of changing it as the Doctor evolves. But when the new series starts, only time will tell if it's appropriate. Yeah, I think it's all right. It's a bit basic, but sometimes that's all you need. You just need to go back to basics. That's, I think that's what the show needs. It's got a bit complicated in the last couple of series, so it's back to basics. What did you think of Jodie's first scenes? I loved it. Like when she was first cast, I wasn't so sure, but when I saw the regeneration scene, uh, the post-regeneration scene, I was just like, yes, they've done it so perfectly. And the fact she only said one line as well, I think it really works. I think the scene was perfect how they did it. I just want to know how she's going to get out of it. That's what I want to know. One word, brilliant. It's a bit weird seeing a female doctor, but as I did with Peter Capaldi, I'm sure I'll adapt as the series goes on. I think she's excellent. I love her. There's just something about her. She's got that madness in her eyes and that big smile. It was like, she's going to be brilliant. I'm sure she is. Um, What are you hoping to see in Series 11? Something new. And then classic monsters back again. I want them to make the Daleks scary again, in all fairness. And I want at least something done with Gallifrey, because let's be honest, anyone who's anyone knows that Hellbent was an absolute disappointment. Except for the first part, but... Yeah, I want to see more of Gallifrey, man. I want to, I want to see Gallifrey come back. Uh, Met the Daleks scary. Um, some general good stories, man. The one thing I'm looking forward to is Bradley Walsh. He's going to be the companion. I love Bradley Walsh. I love the chase. So it'll be good to see him. In it. I think he's going to do a good job in the show. Probably, like, because they're doing a whole sort of rebound for the show and, like, having loads of, like, fresh, like, writers and everything and all the cast. So I want, like, new monsters, new... Just something original. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they'll take it down like a different new road to what it's been down. Like, a new concept would be quite nice, just to refresh it all again. Uh, just something new, but also something very familiar, if that makes sense. Yeah, just, just something like that. Something more like the classic Who, more like the old sort of historical stories and stuff. So, what do you think about Captain Jack coming back? Man, you know what? I love Captain Jack. He's an absolutely brilliant character, man. Like... Do you know what? He just smashes every single stereotype. I mean, you know, he's not gay, he's not straight, he's not bisexual, he's an omnisexual, man. He'll go out there and do anything and anyone, man. So, 
He's an absolute fantastic companion. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was brilliant, uh, you know, and he's a very much missed character. He hasn't been in the show for quite a while, so it'd be good to see him back after all this time. Yeah, it was always just a good laugh when he was there, you know, it was, it was great fun. I cannot wait for the return of Captain Jack. Fantastic character. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. Um, I've loved, like, Torchwood when he was in Doctor Who, and I've always wanted him to come back, so it should be really good. I just can't wait to see John step in the TARDIS with Jodie and see like, their reactions together. That's what I'm looking forward to the most, yeah. I couldn't agree more with what they both just said. I'm really, really excited because it's John Barrowman, you know. Really great interviews there, Ben. Um, the Captain Jack thing's got me all confused. Is that real? No, um, I probably should admit we did that for April Fool's. Um, right. <laughs> although at the time of recording, we haven't actually put it out yet, so I don't know if anyone will be fooled, but... Hopefully they will, or they were. Or... Are you telling me Jack is not coming back then? No. Well, I haven't been, <laughs> I haven't been told anything. But well, how is this going to play out if um if he does come back? And... <laughs> yeah, between between recording this and this going out, it's announced that he's coming back. And sorry, basically we're the fools or, or <laughs> yeah. something, something like that, yeah. It'll look like the greatest light ahead of our time. Well, I had nothing to do with it, so I, 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 I'm um, not taking any responsibility. But it could be uh, be brilliant if Jack came back. I think. I think. Yeah, uh, it would be good to see him back. I think he's a great character because we had, we haven't had much Torchwood on screen. So yeah, I'd love to see Captain Jack. Um, my brother's actually a big fan of Torchwood, so um, you know Captain Jack is um, a, a popular character for a lot of people. Um, so now let's go over to the news. In the latest news this month, Christopher Eccleston will be attending his first Comic-Con. He'll be at the London Film and Comic-Con on Sunday, 29th of July, where fans will have the opportunity to get an autograph or photo. It'll cost you a fair bit, though, as a photo is £85, while an autograph is £95. Eccleston won't be the only doctor at the event, as Peter Capaldi will also be there, along with Sylvester McCoy, Colin Baker and David Bradley. So Ben, you had eighty-five pounds, ninety-five pounds for a photo or an autograph. Um, is that been seen as quite controversial? Yeah, I've seen online quite a few fans complaining about that. Um, I remember a similar thing with Peter Capaldi. I don't think it was as much, um, but I know he charged a bit when he was doing. The, I think it was the Doctor Who festival. But yeah, I I wouldn't pay ninety-five. I I mean I think thirty pounds a lot when I go to some and pay that, but. Especially because yeah. he's been, like you said earlier, he's been sort of distant from the show, so it's not like... You're right, I was um, I was kind of moaning a bit about it, because I, I do have some autographs and Doctor Who autographs, and I, I really love the ones I've got. But yeah, Christopher Eccleston, um, he's, he, as you say, he's been so distant from the show, and um, just doesn't seem... To, for me, it wouldn't be something that I'd feel is a great prize, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but that's probably being a bit mean. I mean, you know, Christopher Eccleston was one of the doctors, and so that can never be taken away from him. You know. Yeah, is that? I mean, it is nice that he's sort of getting out a bit there and like the chance to meet fans and that. So it's nice that he's slowly making an effort, and hopefully, this is the start of him sort of coming back to the fandom a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he's reaching back into the show a little bit, um, it's unfortunate that um, the coverage is a little bit negative regarding this, just the, the cost of a photo. I mean, perhaps what, I suppose what's more important is that he is re-entering the whole Doctor Who arena and um, 
for a long time he he had been notably distant from it, hadn't he? So it's great to know that he'll be there with yeah. Peter Cabaldi and uh, and the rest of them. And I mean, uh, some some people will be fine with paying like for that amount of money. And London's quite expensive anyway. So yeah, if if it's up to him if he wants to charge that much, then fine. You know, if people are willing to pay it, they will. If not, then the well, this is one of the. I think it's one of the controversial things, isn't it? Because it's not always the actual actors or that uh, that set the prices. It's the festival. Um, can often be the festivals. You know, they've got to oh, make. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I, I think that's there's an element of that um, where the you know they the festivals will take a percentage, say. So I don't know. Do, does Christopher Eccleston really need eighty five pounds? It's questionable, isn't it? If you know what I mean, but. Um, but the festival would absolutely to keep it running and and so on. Yeah. So let's let's just leave that for now and get back to the news. I'll let you carry on with the news. Yep. Um, so second up, we've had a few hints about series eleven characters this month. Alan Cummings started things off by accidentally announcing that he will be playing James the First in at least one episode. And in an interview on BBC Radio 4's Loose Ends, Sharon D. Clark revealed that she will be playing Bradley Walsh's character's husband. During the show, fellow guest Lee Mack also revealed he might have a small role in the series after months of begging Chris Chibnall to be in the show. And finally in the news, Michelle Ryan will be reprising her role as Lady Christina in a new series of Big Finish audio dramas out in September. She was very excited about returning and we're looking forward to seeing the new adventures with the character this autumn. Now it's discussion time and we're discussing the episode Blink by Stephen Moffat. This episode came out in 2007 and Ben's going to tell you a little bit more about it. Okay, so just a brief summary. Um, So Sally Sparrow and her friend Kathy go to an old house and Sally gets a message from the doctor um, warning her about the Weeping Angels. So then Kathy gets sent back in time by the Weeping Angels and Sally has to try and investigate with the help of Kathy's brother, Larry, and they find all these Easter eggs on DVDs, which are actually the Doctor talking to them, instructing them what to do, based on a transcript he gets later on. That We'll go into that a bit later. It's, a bit com- it's very yeah. complicated to sum up this that episode. Is a, that is a, uh, that's the kind of the ultimate mystery to the end of it. Go on, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, eventually um, they managed to stop the Weeping Angels. So yeah, that's a very, very brief summary of it. I think that's a good effort. We both watched this kind of at the last minute today. I think it's fair to say so. It's kind of, um, it's such an epic episode and that's obviously another reason why we kind of discuss it. That's what sort of surprised me. I was reading earlier that Stephen Moffat did it very last minute because originally he wanted to do a two-parter but he was busy working on a series called Jekyll yeah um so he said like I haven't got time but I can do the Dr. Light episode and he he wrote it and I think he only did two drafts and then they did it like filmed it started filming within like 10 days or something and would you say this is this is the episode that really set him off as um because he then became showrunner in 2009 I think yeah, I mean, this is the episode that sort of really got him noticed by the fans and it, it won, I'm sure it won an award. And yeah, this is the one that everyone remembers of his. Yeah, and there are so many reasons. And you, you could look at right up ahead with Stephen Moffat to Sherlock, even dare I mention Sherlock, but um, in terms of some of the th- aspects of how it's filmed, you know. But yeah, really this um, centres Sally Sparrow um, and... Uh, yeah. 
Which is a great name for a character. Yeah. I always thought that. Oh, yeah, and I made the the accident of uh, making a connection, which has happened a lot in this pod, these podcasts with Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, just hoping, yeah. hoping that, that, you know, there was a Captain Jack thing there, but um, yeah. that's just an invented Easter egg of my own, which is rubbish. Um, yeah. But Sally Sparrow, so she she's kind of like a curious, a curious, but um, sort of, she got, she's a photographer, isn't she? She's an artist and she mm. um, decides to go exploring and um, she goes to Wester Drumlins, it's a, which is called a Scooby-Doo house by, um, <laughs> yeah. by uh, Lawrence Slater um, because it is a very creepy uh, boarded up house. Um, and she's a, she's a very interesting character. One of the quotes that got me about her um, is um, she answers her friend, um, Kathy, um, she likes the house because it's a sad house. And um, Kathy, her friend, says, what's happy about sad? And Sally says, sad is happy for deep people. Yeah, I made a note of that quote. I love that quote as well. Yeah, it's, it's powerful, isn't it? Yeah, I tried. I remember I mentioned it to my friend once and she asked what it meant. And I sort of try, tried to explain it to her. And I, I know what it means, but I can't explain it. But I do, I do get that sometimes where I like sad things will make me happy because it's sort of you're getting in touch with your emotions and it's sort of emotional and you're feeling something which is good definitely all those kind of things like empathy and it's a melancholy is the is kind of i suppose the word that sort of um, swims through my mind um and yeah it's i'm i'm happy you uh you made a note of that as well because it certainly struck me um and gave instantly gave the character depth i think um but I was, I was going to say right at the beginning, um, when she reads the note from the doctor and it says to duck, which is, you know, quite clever. And she ducks and the angel throws a rock. I don't understand why the angel throws the rock. Yeah. Is it, tr- is it trying to kill her or just get her attention or what? I really don't know, but it's, um, it's almost like, a, you know, it could be Martha that throws the rock, you know, or something. I don't <laughs> know, that sounds ridiculous, but um, there's no real reason for that other than sort of like to say this is in real time, isn't it? Um, and mm. even though it's like ancient writing on the wall. Um, and I, w- I was going to say about that because um, <laughs> you've got I like this... It. I like how you consider 1969 as ancient. It absolutely is ancient, Ben, really. Um, uh, yeah, um, all too realistically so. Um, but I, what I thought about that, the writing behind the wall, um, I thought it was really creepy because um, us watching it, it says uh, love from the doctor, you know, this real-time warning, love from the doctor. And that would freak anyone out who didn't know who the doctor was, right? If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but for us, it's kind of like that little indication that it's something positive. Um, yeah, and it's it's nice that the doctor, like, pops up every now in the episode and stuff like that because it's weird, even though he's not in it, it still feels like to him and it's still yeah. exciting and I think that's partly with Carrie Mulligan as Sally Sparrow she sort of carries the episode and but yeah really brilliant acting I definitely thought that uh, something that um, really made me laugh and really made me wonder just watching today because it's a long time since I watched it it, was, it is a very standout episode but when Kathy Nightingale's grandson arrives to give Sally the letter I thought it was um, James Bond I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was Daniel Craig. Um, Did you notice a a slight resemblance? Um, Yeah, I can see where you got that from, yeah. 
Yeah, and I was thinking, God, we had John Cleese in City of Death. Is this where <laughs> Daniel Craig started his career? Um, but it wasn't the case. The guy, the character's name's Malcolm, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah. That... And did you notice as well that the guy that Kathy meets when she's sent back to 1920 is called Ben? I didn't notice that. I should have noticed that, but I I didn't notice that, and I'm starting to. Yeah, I think I probably noticed it more because of my <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, um, I suppose these things tend to happen, but I'm, I'm starting to get a horrible sort of sensation that you know something from 1920. That, <laughs> um, uh, that so I'm probably going to start finding a script um, that's um, <laughs> pre-written somewhere. I wish I could, actually. Um, I, wonder, I wonder if there's a character in Doctor Who called Andrew. I don't know. I, yeah, it, I think it's high time there, might, there should be. Yeah. So they talk about themselves being a... They can be a detective agency because Sally wants to show Kathy what she's found in the house, you know, the writing that's been that's communicating to her. Um, and it made me laugh that her friend Kathy says... Think about it, Sparrow and Nightingale, and um, Sally says it sounds a bit ITV. Yeah. Um, which I, I thought that was pretty cool. It's like the BBC having a little pop. Um, yeah. What yeah. I quite like as well is the fact that Sally Sparrow doesn't believe it at first, and like she's quite doubtful, and she even goes to the police and stuff. Because that's what would happen in real life. Like the guy in the shop when he's shouting, like, at the movie, at yeah. the movie saying, go to the police. That's what would happen. So it's quite nice that. Muffet's acknowledged that. That reminded me of a bit in Deep Breath, and it's just a, a very quick comment. Um, I think the doctor says something like, um, and if we're not back in half an hour, call the police or something. And it's like, we should do that more often. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, well, she goes, as you say, she goes to the police, and it turns out that this house, the uh, Wester Drumlins, has been the centre of attention for a long time and people were disappearing there and their cars were all just uh, being stored by the police. So it's kind of like a Area 21 type thing. And it includes the TARDIS, right? It's got, they've got that locked up as well. So Sally briefly meets this uh, young guy, Billy Shipton, who's um, in the police and um, he's trying to help her. He also quite likes her and wants to invite her for a drink. Um, later on, she she sees visits Billy Shipton on his deathbed. On the, it's the same day for her, but she suddenly sees the ancient Billy Shipton, and um, he explains that he's um, put the Easter eggs on those DVDs for her to find. It's nice that it all sort of links together with everyone playing a part in it. And that scene in the hospital is is really quite sad that it's because it's his last day, and he knows that he's going to die when the rain stops. Yeah. But it was really sad, and then I suddenly thought, hang on, where's everyone else in this hospital? He's in the hospital, and there's no one else in there, it's just him on his own. You just want a couple of Mondazian Cybermen to walk around the corner. (laughs) Um, But what was quite poetic was that um, he he says to her, it was raining when we met, and she she obviously just says it's the same rain, because it's just within that one day. But yeah, uh, I thought um, 2007. I mean, this this would pass by, uh, pass me by completely. But um, Sally says at one point, "I've had bloody enough." Um, and I, I was thinking, was that quite a risque language in 2007 for, for BBC <laughs> I th- One? I, th- I think bloody is acceptable. Yeah, um, certainly couldn't say crap back then, but. Um, <laughs> Not sure. Should we go sure. through a list of words you're not allowed to say on TV? <laughs> yeah, let's try. Um, <laughs> There'll be loads of bleeps instead of people actually hearing them. I, what I found quite interesting was that, um, you know, Sally then has to go and see, uh, is it Laurie? Um, 
Larry. Sorry, Larry. Lawrence, <laughs> <laughs> Larry, Lawrence, Larry, Larry, Larry. It's Larry. You called him Lawrence <laughs> twice. <laughs> what is this? Is it just... Oh, Christ. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I found it quite interesting that um, Sally obviously wanted to have... A, was, well, instructed to go and have a conversation with um, Kathy's brother, Larry. And it's like Larry's completely lost his sister and they don't seem to make a too big a deal of that. I mean, obviously the, the episode then gets going between um, Sally and Larry, you know, they, they form a, a, a complete double act, you know, by the end. Um, but they don't really pay much homage to the fact that um, he's lost his sister, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I, th- I think at the, initially she tells him that she's, uh, his sister's gone away for a bit. I guess afterwards she would have told him about her being sent back in time and he would have understood it because he's seen it. Yeah, and I thought that, was, that kind of shows um, her shrewdness, doesn't it? She's she's quite clever at lying to him and to spare yeah. his feelings. But I find it a bit odd at the end when it said one year later and she's flicking through the files about the Weeping Angels. I thought, would she really be still going on about it a year after and like not resolved it? Well, that's the thing, because she's not got closure, and he, and he um, Larry, you know, you, you can see he's kind of like a, he's he's in love, but it's unrequited, because um, and he he wants to be with her, but she she needs the closure, but the episode does have to have closure because if she doesn't hand over the files and the transcripts of the conversation with the doctor, supposedly the doctor will never um, be able to um, to help her, I suppose. Mm. Um, we should say that this is the first episode that has weeping angels in it, which have become one mm-hmm. of the most iconic um, enemies. And um, the doctor explains to Billy Shipton um, he, in his, he describes what the angels are. And he says that essentially they're creatures of abstract um, angels live on potential energy. And they basically kill you nicely. Um, mm. It's a really great concept. Yeah. I kind of think since then they've been a bit overused, but back when in this episode they were mind-blowingly creative. Talking of them being in later episodes as well, actually, um, there was one thing that I noticed that's kind of... The later episodes have kind of spoiled this one because in, I think it's the time of angels, uh, the Doctor says the image of an angel becomes an angel itself. But when Sally gives the Doctor the files and the transcripts there's a photo of a weeping angel so that photo is a weeping angel now and she's just giving him a, a weeping angel yeah um no that's right so there's it's all sorts of strangeness um to it and um i think it's something that obviously chibnall can now take on and and wonder what direction he'll take the the weeping angels i wonder if he'll even use them because they are sort of primarily known as a stephen moffat's creation then again, they use the Daleks and Sidemen and some Torrents and stuff, so maybe you might do. But yeah, one other thing I wanted to sort of mention to you, get your opinion on. Um, in the bit where Larry and Sally get in the TARDIS and the hologram of the Doctor comes up and says the emergency protocol and tells them to put the disc in. But I just suddenly thought, when did he record all these emergency protocols? Because I'm sure it's like emergency protocol like 200 or something like that. And I know the Ninth Doctor in one of his episodes does an emergency protocol, but it just made me wonder, when does he get round to recording those? 
I really don't know. I mean, there must have been some uh, foresight and some foreplanning in that. But yeah, Easter egg hunting in um, in Doctor Who is uh, is I think it's yeah. fantastic. Have um, you had any Easter eggs this year? Actual, yeah, actual, uh, actual Easter eggs. Easter eggs. No, no, I had a hen's egg um, for for lunch. Oh, nice. <laughs> Nothing eastery <laughs> about it. Um, but yeah, uh, and it's terrible, really, because it's like brutalising yeah. a chicken. Yeah, that's a nice cheery note to end on. Um, yeah, on that on that um, slightly um, unsavoury note regarding brutalising chickens, um, we would like to wish you all a very happy Easter and, um, and an enjoyable entry into spring. Yeah. And so to round things up, as usual, we've got another one of Ben's songs. You're looking for a new place to live I know an old house far away Let me tell you about Wester Drumlins If I may Know the writing on the wall is not there to scare you. Never wash it off, just wallpaper over it. That will do. The lights sometimes just go off, so you may want to bring a torch, or better still, some candles to keep you warm. The house has so much potential And so many weird smells Security's quite temperamental Sometimes the doors lock shut by themselves If you like creepy statues There's some angels downstairs No one knows how they got here house might seem a little sad but that's happy if you're deep and if you like sadness you might just like angels that weep this house is very popular you're not the first ones to visit so if you want to make an offer let me know cause if you blink you'll miss it (laughs) 